Good morning, everybody. So good to see each and every one of you. I thank God for his many blessings. I thank God for the many years that we have worked together. It has been a wonderful ride. And I want to thank you and thank God for the wonderful fellowship and the wonderful church that God gave us here on Riggs Road. Today, we're going to have a baptismal service, and these believers are going to follow the Lord in the ordinance of water baptism, an ordinance that is commanded by our Lord through his example and divine authority. That's what qualifies an ordinance to be an ordinance. Our Lord had to give us an example And then it had to be divinely commanded by deity for it to qualify as an ordinance. There are only three ordinances in the Bible and the New Testament, not 15 or 30. The Lord's Supper, water baptism, and feet washing. And they all wonderfully explain and show us What's involved in this thing of being saved? In Hebrews 6.1, the Bible speaks of multiple baptisms. There is the baptism of Moses. And people can get very confused going through all the baptism. There is the baptism of John. That was the baptism of repentance. Then there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit where we are baptized into Jesus through our salvation. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 puts it this way, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. And that happens at the time of our salvation. In Colossians 1, 13, Paul puts it this way, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of our sins. The only way that anybody can be saved, he has to be saved, she has to be saved. There's only two genders. The only way the human race can be saved is they have to repent and turn from their sins And then through the divine power of God, not through the efforts of humanity, not through the assistance of any other human, it's an individual thing that you do before God that qualifies you to be baptized in water. So there is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then there is the baptism of Jesus, where Jesus, where John the Baptist says of Jesus in Matthew 3.11, he said, I indeed baptize you with water, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. You ever been baptized by the Holy Ghost and fire? Have you ever had the power of God change your heart, change your mind, 
turn your life around and cause you to want to love God and want to obey God? And how do you prove to the world that you truly love God? Amen? Those that love God keep His commandments. That's the only way you can show God that you love Him. The only way that Adam and Eve could show their love for God, God had to put a no in the garden. He said, you can eat of every tree. Enjoy yourself. You'll love it. You'll live forever. But don't touch that one tree that's in the midst of the garden because in the day that you eat it, you are going to die. Not physically. Adam and Eve walked out of the garden. But they died spiritually. They lost the presence and power of God in their lives. So when we talk about water baptism, it's just not a right. It's just not something you can take it or leave it. It's something that God commanded that you do and I do and everybody that's able to do. Then there's the baptized, the baptism of Holy Ghost and fire. Then there are baptisms of power that periodically come upon the saints at different times through their lives. When you are saved, you receive the Spirit of God. Everybody receives the Spirit of God when they're saved. But then as you go on in your life, there are subsequent fillings that take place. There'll be times when you get up to sing. There'll be times when you get up to preach. There'll be times when you're witnessing to somebody. There'll be times when God gives you a revelation in power and all of a sudden anointing falls upon you and there's a power there that convinces everybody that you're under the demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost. Let me give you an example. Peter and John. They were walking into the temple to worship God and they brought this beggar and laid him down at the gate of the temple. And a beggar that was crippled, lame from his mother's womb. And when Peter and John were walking in, this beggar's crying out, alms, alms, alms. And the scripture says that Peter and John both fixed their eyes on the beggar and said, Look on us. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. That was the Holy Ghost power coming on them as they were walking into church. Amen? And what do you think happened? He started to leap. He stood up. Strength came into his ankle bones. The miracle of God, the power of the Holy Spirit was on the scene. And he started to jump and shout and went to church with him and turned the whole place upside down because he wasn't supposed to be there. Thank God. Did you ever read the account of creation. Yes, I know you have. In Genesis, the first chapter. 
When I read it last night, it blew me away. I like the way the Bible starts. In the beginning, God. Period. End of the discussion. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And listen to this. The earth was without form and void. It was unorganized. It was empty. It was chaotic. It was full of darkness. Just like our world without God is today. It's a mess out there. And then the Bible says, but the Spirit of God moved upon the whole mess. And then God says over 30 times in that first chapter, and God created, and God moved, and God said, and God called, and God made, and God said, and God blessed, and God said, let us. Who's us? Us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God turned the Holy Spirit loose on the creation to go ahead and do wonderful things. How do you think Mary got pregnant? She didn't know no man. That's why the Bible says, unto us a son is given and unto us a child is born. The son, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That's Jesus Christ. And that a child was born and that child's name was Jesus Christ. And what was his mission? To turn us all from our sins. You let the Holy Ghost get in your life and you'll see and you'll do things that you cannot believe you could ever do. When I got saved, if you knew me before I got saved, you would not like me. And I would not have liked you. But when God saved me, and I can remember when I got saved, I was on leave from Fort Bliss, Texas, en route to Korea for 18 months. And my grandmother, Italian, and when she didn't want me to know anything, she spoke in Italian. And she called the minister and called him in, Reverend Carabini, and he came over to the house, and I heard him mumbling there, and I was in the kitchen doing my own thing. But I was a sinner. My life was upside down. And then I heard the pastor say, Tony, would you like to call me Anthony? Anthony, would you like to come in? I want to talk to you. And so I walked in, and he said, how would you like to get saved? Well, it was embarrassing for me because it was public. So he prayed a prayer, and I was too embarrassed, whatever, and then he left. But I went into my bedroom, and I got down on my knees, and this is what I said from the bottom of my heart. I said, Lord, I don't even know if there is a Jesus. I don't even know if there is a God. But whoever you are, and wherever you are, will you save me? The presence of God filled up that little room so powerfully. I swore that he was standing right behind me. And I turned around to look. 
But God is the Spirit. And that day changed my life. In Acts 6 and 7, Stephen was confronted by the Jews who hated him for preaching the gospel. And Acts 6, 8, and 10 says, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people, and they were not able to resist the wisdom of the Spirit by which he spake, because he was full of the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you, our churches, our Sunday school teachers, our pastors, our evangelists, our parents, They need to be filled with the Holy Ghost more than ever. Because nothing is going to happen. No miracles are going to take place. People aren't going to get saved short of the Holy Ghost. Wonderful. And they were cut to the heart. Stephen just started preaching. And there was so much God on him when he was preaching that the gainsayers and those that hated him, they were cut to the heart. And the Bible says they were so mad, they gnashed their teeth on him and they picked up stones and they ran to him and they stoned him to death. And guess what he was doing under the power of the Holy Spirit? He was asking God to forgive him. And the heavens opened up. You want to hang around with somebody? You want to be somebody? Hang around with the Holy Spirit of God. Change your life. Then there is the baptism of suffering. Philippians 3 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and also the fellowship of his suffering, that I may be, be experience the baptism of his suffering. You know what that word baptism means? It means to be fully immersed in the sufferings and the trials and the heartaches and all the grief and all the difficulties of life. We are immersed into sorrows and troubles because of our choice to stand for Jesus Christ. And what that means, we are totally immersed. We're sunk in the baptism of Christ's suffering. And then we come to water baptism. Water baptism is a public declaration of a private decision. You're here, candidates, to look back and be reminded through your baptism about the wonderful saving truths of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are here to be reminded of how fortunate and blessed you are to be able to follow the Lord in water baptism. And when the Jewish converts got saved and then baptized, you know what happened. All Hades broke loose upon them. 
because they might lose their jobs. They might lose their positions. They might get excommunicated from their synagogues. Their businesses were in jeopardy. And they were hated by many for their stand with Christ. It is risky business to profess Christ. Because when you profess Christ back in the days of pagan Rome, you were saying, Caesar's not my king anymore. Jesus is my king. And that could cost you your life. It could cost you many days in prison. It was really risky business. It meant that the world, when you gave your heart to God, when any of us gave our hearts to God, it meant that the world is now our enemy. And you don't run after all the world's gods. And you don't run after all the world's ideologies and beliefs and fashions and trends and lifestyles. You now follow the Lamb whithersoever He goeth. That's what this is all about. There are reasons for baptism. When John was baptizing and the Pharisees and the religious bureaucracy of that day who really didn't even like people and put burdens and burdens upon them and all kinds of issues and standards upon them that God never even required. And when they came to John to be baptized, he looked at them and he said, who warned you snakes to flee from the wrath of God? Come and bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. See, you've got to do something. You've got to be something. And your life has to be changed before you can rightly represent water baptism. It's a wonderful, wonderful truth. And what did John say when he saw Jesus coming? He said, behold. He wanted the whole world to know. Behold. The Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. He's the only Savior. There is no second. There is no third. Amen? There is no other God. All the gods you hear about today, their graves are still filled. Their skeletons are there. The only grave that's empty is the grave of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, he qualifies to be the only Savior of the world. It's not Mohammed. It's not Confucius. It's not Baha'i. It's not Baha'u'llah. That's all a bunch of Baha'u'llah. There's only one God. There's only one Savior. And his name is Jesus Christ. And there are no seconds, thirds, or fourths. People say, oh, there's so many religions out there. How in the world can I know? How in the world can I know which one is right? Well, you only have to find one grave that's empty. And that's who's right. And he's the son of the living God. Pardon me, but I feel like preaching. There are reasons for baptism. When John saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God 
Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight out of the water. Jesus modeled water baptism. Quickly, the second reason you need to be baptized is because it is a sign to the world, a public sign, that you have decided to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Thirdly, Jesus commanded his followers to follow his example of being baptized. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's the formula that you biblically use to be baptized. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Why? Because all three of them have a part in your salvation. Nothing's left out. And then fourthly, you need to be baptized is because it symbolizes wonderfully and powerfully the amazing truths of God's so great salvation. It symbolizes you dying out to sin when you are immersed in the water and washed from your sins by the blood of Jesus. That's why when we take a candidate, we're going to immerse him, completely drown him, completely submerge him in the water, which is symbolic of the washing of the water of the word, And it's washing his sins away. The water doesn't wash anybody's sins away. Baptism doesn't wash anybody's sins away. Baptism is just an outward symbol of what happened when you and the Lord got down to business. And then when you rise from the water... You are symbolizing a resurrection from your old life of sin into a new and wonderful life of righteousness and holiness. So you come in wet? You come in, you get dipped? No. Sprinkled? No. Squirted? No. Poured? No. You got to be totally immersed because you got to get totally clean. And you can only do that through the power and the divine power of God. And then when you come out of the world, out of the water, and out of the world too. That was a Freudian slip, but it was right on the money. Some of you got saved, but you didn't come out of the world. How do you know? I can see the world all over you when I look at you. When I see your orange and purple and green and, you know, all this crazy stuff. What do you think is going on out there? Have you ever seen so much and so many ridiculous looking things? You know why it's out there? It's because people lost their identity. Jesus said, let us make man in our image. They lost their image. That's why they try to dress and look like and talk like and act like they're heroes. But their heroes are zeros. They don't know what a fool the devil's making of them. I'm not saying it's sin. It's just not the right way to go. I know what's normal. You know what's normal. Is this normal, what's out there? No.
When you are baptized, you are showing a new life of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and that you have repented of your sins. Your baptism shows the world that you have repented of your sins and you had faith in Jesus Christ. Water baptism in the scriptures usually followed soon after people were saved. Water baptism is not required to become a member of a church or a requirement to be married in a local church by some pastor. What happens there is a lot of people who get baptized, not baptized because they're following Jesus, not baptized because they want to live for God, but they get baptized rather so they can get married and join the church and become a member. But Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. He didn't come to bring labels. He came to bring a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's a big difference. You can call yourself a Baptist, a Lutheran, a Church of God, or remember this. Labels don't save you. Denominations don't save you. The blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that saves you. Well, what makes me a member of the church? Only one thing. Salvation makes you a member. You're baptized by one spirit into one body. And when you get saved, you become a member of the body of Christ, the family of God, the church of the living God. By the way, the church of God is the only name in the Bible 15 times. Well, what are all these other names? Those were names started by men. If Martin Luther came back and saw a Lutheran church, if John Wesley came back and saw a Wesleyan church, if Menno came back and saw a Mennonite church, they'd say, take those names down. And the reason it's called the Church of God is because it's the ecclesia, the called out of the world by God himself. Now, that doesn't mean because we got the name Church of God, we're all saved. There's bad hombres in every church, but they're not in God's family. An example of the wedding ring helps to explain it right here. When people get married... They don't wait for four years for the marriage to get stable and grounded to wear a wedding ring. Right? You wear it as soon as you get married. But when you're married, you may go through some changes. And you may go through some storms. And you may go through some seasons of hardship. And there's a process of growing up and getting to know one another. There's ups and downs. You don't wear your wedding ring as qualifications of your seasons and that you're well grounded in your marriage. You wear it as a sign that you're married to that woman and married to that man. Kind of the same thing with your water baptism. It's your public sign that you have committed your life to Jesus 
and you're following him and seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But it does take time as young converts to get going. Right? It takes time to mature. It takes adversities to help us grow. And you can't keep jumping into a baptismal pool every time you do something wrong. That's crazy. The word baptize is not the best translation that is used until we inquire into the Greek word, which is baptizo. And that expresses the idea of immersion or the entire covering of the person being baptized. All the lexical authorities agree to baptize means to immerse, to dip under water. Sprinkling, splashing, pouring, squirting, spitting are entirely out of the question. Without a doubt, the New Testament is clear that the term baptizo is to immerse, completely submerge people. And any attempts to show that the word has another meaning than immerse is to be absolutely out of the question. The scriptures say when Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. Concerning the Ethiopian being baptized by Philip, the scripture says they went both down into the water and when the baptism was over, they both came up out of the water, strongly implying that they had been immersed. The only time sprinkling or pouring were valid was in the times when Immersion was impossible. Like the thief on the cross. Could he have been baptized? Not in a million years. He was nailed to the cross and he was just moments from his death. Did he get to heaven when he repented? Jesus said, this day, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. There's a lot of reasons that people can't be baptized. Handicapped, quadriplegics, guys that died on the battlefield in their last dying days, calling upon God, but didn't have time to get baptized because they died. You think God kept those kind of people out of heaven? Not in a million years. God is a sensible God, people. I know he's the most misunderstood person in in America today, but the truth is he's very loving, very kind, very compassionate, very forgiving, and he loves you and he loves me. The only time sprinkling or pouring were valid was in the times of immersion was impossible. And like I said, the thief on the cross are those that suddenly are dying and calling upon God. Other than the exceptions, the truth is God has not granted to any man the liberty to change any divinely instituted ordinances or to change one word of God's word. Immersion was designed by God to symbolize certain gospel truths. 
God does not make man's convenience the first point of importance in establishing his ordinance or his commandments. When he gave us the book, when he gave us the ordinance, it was a one-way street. My way. I am the truth, the life. Didn't Jesus say that? I am the truth, the life, and the way. There's no other way to get to heaven except God's way. And what these candidates are preparing for is to go God's way. Who are eligible candidates for baptism? Only the saved are eligible for baptism. Only those who have repented and been born again and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts 2.38, on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached and said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Acts 8.12, when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. You never read in the scripture where an infant was ever baptized. Jesus said, suffer the children to come to me. He held them, he prayed for them, but they were never baptized. Why? Because they're unable to understand salvation. They can't comprehend. They don't know how to believe. They're infants. Those who were baptized were old enough to understand and believe the gospel. They were men and women. How about that? They were just men and women. Repentance and faith are the requirements for baptism. Infants cannot be proper subjects for baptism. There is no hint in the Bible where Jesus baptized infants. All the children that were brought to Jesus in the New Testament were not brought to baptize, but that so he could pray for them. Infants cannot be spiritual subjects for baptism because they are incapable of being taught and also of believing. Neither are unbaptized infants lost because they have not reached the age of accountability. And here's the happy note. Every baby that was murdered in or out of the womb Every baby that was murdered because our foolish government legalized murder has gone straight into heaven. Millions and millions and millions, 55 to 60 million people were martyred through the dark ages, many of them children. Millions and millions of babies since Roe vs. Wade have died. And have been murdered. And every single one of them is in heaven. Thank God for that. Most important of all, baptism has a biblical purpose. I'm closing. Not only is there a spiritual blessing that results from obeying the command of God to be baptized. Baptism's purpose is to make sure the candidate understands the true significance and value of the ordinance. It's just a symbolic ordinance. All you're doing today is showing figuratively what happened 
when you truly got saved. Salvation in its nature is not dependent upon any outward right. Our sins are not washed away by the baptismal waters, but by the blood of Christ. What can wash away our sins? Revelation 1.5 says, Unto Christ who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The blood is applied on the conditions of repentance and faith. Acts 2.38, Peter preached, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Our salvation should not be dependent upon the act of another. Only divine power can save us. Baptism is not a means to nor a prerequisite to salvation. Baptism is a symbolic ordinance that shows us symbolically how God saved us. The outward washing by water in baptism is a symbolic washing of way of our sins. It is salvation being portrayed in a figuratively way. Your baptism this morning is merely showing us a symbolic salvation of when you really got saved a while ago and not the real cleansing from sin in the past. Baptism also symbolizes the death and resurrection of Christ. When we go into the water, we are remembering his death. And then when he resurrected and came out of that grave, we are reminded of his resurrection. And that's what secures our salvation. By the immersion into the water and the raising from it, the rising from the dead, we show the world that we have died to sin and the world and that we have been resurrected. Only as immersion is practice, submerging, putting people completely under the water, are these great Biblical truths represented. And for those who pervert the meaning of the symbolism, they lose the importance and benefit of baptism. What are the three ordinate purposes to remind us of the amazing grace of God and the great salvation from sin and hell? And only as water baptism meets the requirements of immersion and the symbolism of biblical salvation is our baptisms valid. So candidates, let's show the world the great truths that water baptism symbolically represent and hear your testimonies of the wonderful realities of salvation.